social with Ed Easton. We are back once again here from Brooklyn, New York, Soundcast FM. And once again, we're following another great NFL week. It's only been two weeks, and so far, the NFL continues to live up to its, its reputation. Besides the, you know, off-the-field stuff and uh, not, you know, standing for the uh, Pledge of Allegiance and the National Anthem, etc. Well, it talks in terms of things that are going on on the field, we've had about two very, very successful weeks in regards to excitement. I can even say parody because you, some surprise wins, some surprise losses. Obviously, the first game that comes to mind is the Seahawks versus the Rams. Uh, I, I mean, come on. You're the Seahawks. First two games, you struggled against Miami. You definitely struggled and lost against L.A., What's going on with this team? This was the uh, the Super Bowl like lock almost for a lot of people. It was either going to be them or Carolina. They're one and one. Carolina's one and one. They finally got their win against San Francisco. I thought something that was really interesting was the uh, the little meeting of the minds at uh, midfield between Cam Newton and Colin Kaepernick. Now we all know Colin Kaepernick's stance or lack of stance in regards to the national anthem. And for his, um, it, basically his mission to start that conversation about what is going on in the world and the things that are going on amongst African Americans. And, you know, let's be honest, the guy's been right. He's been starting this conversation. And uh, once again, we had another, another situation where a black man was killed by the police on camera. And... You know, you, you look at that situation, you're like, how can you have that state that same mentality and say that, oh, it's not, you know, we're just being too sensitive about the issue, that we're not being, uh, what they say, politically correct because we're not standing for the uh, national anthem. We're talking about Terrence uh, Cruther. I, I probably am pronouncing it wrong. I apologize. He was He was killed pretty much execution style yesterday and it was on camera and of course everything that is everything hits social media immediately that's the first time i saw it i saw it tweeted out and you know i look at some of the people that say the all lives matter stuff and you know they they, they point fingers at and i'm just talking about certain um certain players or former players you talk about like hasselbeck came out and said that trent dilfer cam newton uh, Drew Brees, Jerry Rice, just to name a few, who have been very animate about, you know, all lives matter in the situation. But yet these situations continue, keep, they continue to happen. I mean, are you kidding me? It's a very gruesome video. It just, it's, it's really sad that it continues to happen this way. We continue to have not only these conversations, but these problems here. But yet, Colin Kaepernick has to stop kneeling. Now, I go back to that whole meaning of the minds between Cam Newton and Colin Kaepernick. You got two young African-American men playing the quarterback position, which I remember probably 20 years prior, that was a rare thing. You only see like maybe one or two. Now you're seeing that more and more. And you see the different vibes from each from from both guys. You see, it's just a different vibe. They both 
mean well. Like Cam Newton means well. You could tell. Were his words probably the right thing to say? Maybe not, especially with the events that continue to happen and it just happened yesterday with these killings. The conversation still needs to be had. We can't just sit here and lie to ourselves and say, you know what, it's okay. It's just, you know, it happened once or a while. No, this happens way more frequent that are not shown on camera. So I have to ask now, what is the what is the step? Because I'm, just, I'm tired of seeing the protests. I'm tired of seeing, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to boycott this. We're gonna, what, what, what is the plan? We have to keep disrupting football. That's Honestly, that seems to be the thing that's gotten everybody's attention the most. So maybe Kaepernick was on to something here. And don't get me wrong. I'm not the biggest Kyle Kaepernick fan as a football player. But as a person, for what he's standing for, you got to respect it. I mean, it, it just continues to happen. Now, this was a, like I said, exciting week of football. You had some really fun games. Uh, you know, besides the Thursday night matchup, which the Jets handled business. They got their first win. Matt Forte looks amazing for anybody that has him on, his fantasy, on your fantasy team. He was amazing this past Thursday. I think they don't really need a running back by committee. Matt Forte has pretty much said, this is my job, and that's it. The guy is the guy is legit. And, you know, for the Jets, and, and it's weird because the Bills went out and then fired their offensive coordinator. It, it wasn't, it, to me, it didn't seem like the offense was the issue. But for some odd reason, Rex Ryan and crew felt like, you know what, we are 0-2, you got to make a change. Let's change the thing that is working. That's the offense. Not the defense, because his brother is the defensive coordinator now, Rob Ryan. A defense that continues to struggle. A defense that was a top-tier defense just a year ago. Now, let's, let's, get, let's get this straight here. I'm not a defensive mastermind or anything, but Rob Ryan, wherever he's gone, the defense has not been stellar. By any means. I mean, I remember him with the Cowboys and then with the Saints. They were not great defensive teams when he was there. The Ryan name is known for being great for defense, but I'm not trying to uh, to really paint Rob Ryan as this great defensive guru. Rex, I think, is a great defensive coordinator. I just can't see how Rob Ryan... Doesn't get any type of re- doesn't get reprimanded at all. Uh, he was that defense was not good. Point blank, period. So I, I don't know what's going on in Buffalo. That's going to be something to watch all season. And then you go to another situation with the uh, Cleveland Browns. They don't know who the starting quarterback is. It's a mess. It's really a mess. I just can't really put into any understanding of what to do if you're a fan of the Cleveland Browns. And also, I'm just I'm picking on the 0 2 teams right here. Cleveland Browns fans have been struggling. I'm talking about they even made a movie called Draft Day based on the Cleveland Browns completely. Talk about changing around the culture. 
I mean, do we really need to bring, you know, all those characters from the movie and make this a real deal? Like, I, I just don't see what the change is going to happen in Cleveland. Can they settle on a quarterback? It's obviously not RG3. You know, they got Kessel is going to get his shot. He's going to start the next game. Uh, <laughs> it's really a, uh, a odd situation to be in. If Hugh Jackson, I think it's a great coach. But man, he's got he's got his work cut out for him. This is a tough one. You got a team with talented pieces around him, but a quarterback that can't stay healthy, or because let's be real, Josh McCown could be a good quarterback, but I have yet to see him stay healthy. I have yet to see Josh McCown stay healthy. RG three is a whole nother story. Ah, I, I, how can you get excited? I really could imagine my life as a Cleveland Browns fan. It's rough. It's that's really gotta be rough. Uh, speaking of rough, I'm gonna go to a team that's actually two and zero. They had a big win on Sunday night. That's the uh, Minnesota Vikings. How about Sam Bradford? How about the job Sam Bradford did? The guy just barely knows the playbook. Just traded right to start the season. Comes in week two, and he uh, he basically just outplayed Aaron Rodgers. You don't hear that often. You don't hear Aaron Rodgers get outplayed in the quarterback position. You just don't hear that. Sam Bradford found a way to do it. Without Adrian Peterson, who did get injured in that game, and, and they're saying a torn meniscus. But his, his availability is still up in the air. Listen, the guy's 31 years old. A torn meniscus, you're going to rest him for a while. a lot of mileage on those legs man you can't a running back's shelf life at most maybe eight nine years what are we looking at like year 10 now for uh adrian peterson granted he had a year or two off because of different reasons i just can't see the i can't see the vikings going back out there and starting adrian peterson after another injury it just it would be irresponsible if you're Mike Zimmer to throw out Adrian Peterson against the Carolina Panthers this week. Very irresponsible. I just I hope it doesn't get to that point. You know, I, I get it. You want to go against the best with your best, but the guy that you're going to be carrying on and seeing the way that Adrian Peterson runs in such an aggressive manner and you got a torn meniscus, you got to think playoffs here. You're trying to win a championship. That's why you traded for Sam Bradford. You mortgage your future to get Sam Bradford because you want to win now. That's why you're doing this. Give Peterson a chance to heal up, see what is, what's wrong with him because it could be worse, a lot worse than expected. You never know. Go through the doctor's, you know, orders and just, just figure this thing out. You do not want to go through the season without your best player. You just don't. So while you're 2-0, you can afford to take a loss to Carolina if need be. But honestly, most, most of that game, Sam Bradford was the catalyst. Him and um, Stephen Diggs, or Stephon Diggs, I could be pronouncing his name wrong too, but they have already formed a nice little connection. I really like what they're doing with Minnesota with that with that whole situation, especially after losing Teddy Bridgewater, who was the future. They got all those plans set up for him. 
Good job by management. I never thought I would say a trade for Sam Bradford is a great job by management, but hey, hats off to him. Great job. Looking at some other teams in the league, you know, you have to see where they stand. I see the Giants are 2-0. I'm a Giants fan, but I'm going to be realistic. You know, we got to we gotta prove that we're dominant, and a 3-0 start to me is a great way to prove that. They, I'm looking forward to the whole matchup between Norman and uh, and Beckham again. Going to dive into that a little more later in the show. Also, just looking at the, uh, you know, just I'm going to go more into this Kaepernick situation. There was something on Inside the NFL, a segment that really stood out to me, and I really want to get into that a little bit later just to, just to hear the voices. We're talking about Brandon Marshall, who's obviously very opinionated on any topic. Boomer Esiason, who had some comments in regards to Kaepernick and the flag. And I think a lot of people now, I've met Boomer Esiason before. We work in the same building. He's a good guy. I haven't had, a, a, you know, you know how sometimes you can say when you're talking to a person, you can tell if they're real or not. He's been very genuine. He started conversations with people. I can't see him the way he was painted out as being this terrible person. He grew up a different way, the same way we all grew up different ways. But I, I did enjoy hearing his take on what his comments were earlier in the year. Well, actually a month ago, I should say, what his comments were on the radio. He addresses that. Also, you get Phil Sims. You get, you know, you got James Brown talking. It's really a good segment. I'm going to play it a little bit later. It's from Inside the NFL. And it just really tackles the issue in the most fair way possible. And I, I did enjoy that segment. We're going to talk about that as well as some other NFL stuff. And give a quick update on Major League Baseball going on with that wild card race. I'm a Yankees fan, and I'm really, I got to be honest with you. I, you know what? The team did a, a lot better than expected. They're only four and a half out of the wild card still. But after getting swept by the Red Sox in Boston, the realistic chance of them making the playoffs has basically, just, you know, is dissolved. But as a Yankee fan, you can't be upset because we mortgaged the, the, the entire team. It brought in young players that are going to help us in the future. And I really like what has happened. Aaron Judge, it sucks to have to lose him during the season. But uh, Batances, you, you know what he has and you know what he needs to grow if he wants to be a closer. I, I don't think he's ready yet. You have some situations where you got to get those outs. And the Gary Sanchez, who that guy is just a beast. Let's let's call it what it is. Gary Sanchez, the real deal. But uh, we will see. We will definitely see. 516-900-2278 is the phone number. Give me a call if you want to talk some sports. And, uh, you know, like I said, when we come back, we're going to review a little bit of some of the top things that happened during week two of the NFL season. You're listening to Sports Social with Ed Easton here on Southcast FM. Hit me. Just to dissect ya. The other kings cause they swing amputation. 
get, get down. 911 is joking, yo, town. Get up, get, get, get down. Late 911, where's the late crown? Touchdown, Carolina! Watch. 48-yard attempt. 
Second down. Four-man pressure. Cousins. End zone. Caught. Prescott. Pressure up the middle. He's going to run. And he's going to score. Blunt. Right side. Touchdown. Roethlisberger. Fires. End zone. Jesse James. One second and four. Tannehill. For the end zone. Got a man open. Touchdown. Cam Newton has it, fires low towards the end zone. It's a touchdown. Second and nine. Pass for Benjamin. He's in the end zone. Mariota looking deep for Walker. He's point animated on the sideline. Tannehill looking, throwing end zone. Did he catch it? He caught it. All right. Your eyes light up. Viable threat. Freeze. End zone. Touchdown. On target to Vance McDonald. And McDonald dashing down the sideline. He gets a block. It's going to be a 49er touch. Roethlisberger from the gun. Roethlisberger. Open man. This is Drake. Right side. Inside the five. Looking for the end zone. Alfred Morris gets it. Morris. Touchdown. Gabbard. Touchdown 49ers. Two catches, 38 yards. Dalton underneath. Bernard works the sideline. Touchdown. Mariana with time. End zone. And it is. Oh. Hunter Henry's in motion. The rookie tight end. The handoff goes to Gordon into the end zone. Touchdown, San Diego. A third down for the end zone. Devin Funches. Keeps right looks on that. Palmer fires into the end zone, and on the right side of the offensive line, Rivers looking to throw underneath, has Benjamin, and Benjamin into the end zone. Stay on the ground, it's all there for him. It's Anderson. That's the shotgun, Rivers, quick slant to the near side. Antonio Gates lowers his shoulder into the end zone. First and goal, Murray, touchdown. These pass rushes of the Raiders. Coleman in second, and oh, they've got Julio Jones! Just outside the one, they're going to throw it again. And Palmer steps up and finds Floyd in the back of the end zone. Asked about it, asked about it. We never say that's a reason why. Look at this. Gerard Brown, a touchdown. When you're down 24 nothing, you need a touchdown. And that's exactly what they get. Third down, he steps up and dumps it off over the middle of Williams, and Williams has got some daylight. Inside the 15, crosses to the 10, and now bounces toward the goal line. Touchdown, San Diego! Far open, oh, he's got Walford! Cross to Durbin. Durbin's in for the touchdown. Cooper on the tip ball for an Arizona touchdown. Johnson is into the end zone. Touchdown, Arizona. Devontae Freeman is in. Oh, the tight end was held, but they go up to Tammy, who's going to go in for the touchdown. Looks like he is going to try to go for him. Benjamin has some space, and he caught the ball. And a 
gets intercepted by Tlaib. Sidesteps one tackle and down the sideline he goes. It's Tlaib for his ninth career return touchdown. Olawale in the backfield, low snap. Oh, and he gets the touchdown. Lewis to the left, Thomas to the right, pass to the middle for Mercedes. Lewis into the end zone, touchdown Jacksonville. To Coleman, and caught on the ricochet, caught by Hardy. By the way, it's Gore. Tiptoes, touchdown. For the three other yards. Coleman, oh, there was a good block inside by Schrader, and he finds a touchdown. Nelson oh, comes this. Carr. He's in chasing. That's caught for a touchdown. 151. Gotta go 75 yards. Here comes Miller. The ball comes out. It's scooped up by Ray. And the Broncos put it away. And they get that kind of production, then I think you gotta say they hit it when they decide to bring him on the team. Dump pass inside the 10-yard line. It'll be touchdown Jacksonville. Corey Grants. A 15-yard All right, so that was a recap of basically all the scores from week two in the NFL. Like I said, it was exciting. Uh, just a lot of close games. You had a lot of, like, little plays that you didn't expect. I mean, the Greg Olson catch from Cam Newton. Greg Olson is their top, basically a top gun uh, in terms of wide receivers, even though he's a tight end. The guy made an amazing play, uh, 75 yards. It's a... For a tight end to get down the field like that, that's pretty impressive, as well as Cam Newton finding him in stride. There were a couple of things that, you know, I do want to look at. And one, for example, the whole Daryl Rivas situation. Him and J.R. Smith got into, like, this weird debate on Twitter. And uh, Daryl Rivas obviously responding. J.R. Smith calling out Rivas because of the uh, Marcus Goodwin touchdown catch and then you know it's just the last couple of weeks have not been too good for Revis defensively taking shots at him talking about Revis Island basically being no more and uh Revis obviously responds on Twitter tells uh J.R. Smith about you know at least I'm going to end up in Canton basically the Hall of Fame where will you be direct shot at him just one of those weird little uh Cross sports beefs. You talk about J.R. Smith, the guy in the NBA, just won his title with the Cleveland Cavaliers. May not even be back with the Cleveland Cavaliers because they're still trying to figure out contract negotiations as he wants an extension. But uh, I, I just thought that was pretty uh, pretty funny stuff that be going on. But uh, Revis is a cause for concern for some Jets fans. And in the future, I'm going to have some uh, Jets insiders on the, on the line just to get an understanding of what's going on with this Jets team and is Daryl Rivas probably done now as a top-flight corner? Because he just doesn't look like that anymore. He, he just does not have that whole mystique about him. People are taking shots at him from every angle. It's it's pretty uh, pretty amazing for a guy who was at one point seemed to be the best man-to-man corner in the NFL. Even last year he was really good. So pretty surprising stuff there for uh, Jets fans to have to deal with. But another surprising thing for, I know as a Giants fan, I'm really happy to see, is the reemergence of one Victor Cruz. And he made the biggest catch of the game to get the Giants to 2-0, and Giants to 2-0 start. This is uh, one of my main plays from week two. 
Batting on third down. Firing downfield to Cruz. And Victor Cruz makes the catch at the Saints' two-yard line. Devontae Harris in position to make a play on the ball. He doesn't look at the battle by Victor Cruz to wrestle that ball away. That was a huge catch by uh, Victor Cruz. He basically took the ball from the defender. Giants were able to get the ball at the two-yard line and uh, run down the clock. This was a the first time, I think, in a long time, if you're a Giants fan, to see the team actually close the game out the way they're supposed to. Uh, just, like I said, great job from um, McAdoo and company getting the right game plan, going against a Saints team that still has Drew Brees that can still light them up. That defense was on point. They, they flustered Brees the entire day. Played good contained defense from the defensive ends. The linebackers were excellent, and the corners did their job. So what, what more can you expect if you're a Giants fan? They go against the Redskins, and they get that nice, also nice, rematch with Old, Odell Beckham Jr. and Josh Norman. Assuming Josh Norman and Odell Beckham Jr. actually, you know, line up against each other. That's, that seems to be Josh Norman's thing. He only plays the right side, and I, I don't know what's going to happen in regards to that. This is just, it, it's really gotten to the point that these guys, you know they don't like each other. You know it's going to be a, uh, it, it's just going to be a war of words every time. That's really what it, it comes down to. You can try, you know, your best to try to understand it and and uh, put things in perspective. But these guys just don't like each other. <laughs> and uh, I'm actually going to go to uh, comments from uh, Josh Norman. We already know Victor Cruz chimed in on it. And I'm actually going to play a little bit of what Josh Norman had to say. This is about about a couple of weeks ago in regards to Odell Beckham and his comments. So let's hear what, uh, let's hear what Josh Norman has to say in regards to uh, Odell Beckham. This is from a couple of weeks ago with the NFL Network. He had his conversation. Comments than the man himself. That's right. Redskins cornerback Josh Norman joining us right here live on HQ. Now, Josh, we're going to get to the work that you're doing with Discover Boating in just a second. But first things first, give us your thoughts on what OBJ had to say. I really ain't got none. To be honest with you, I'm all out of thoughts. <laughs> I mean, you guys got them all. I mean, you weigh them all in your decisions making. I, I really don't too much care about it. I said what I had to say pretty much yesterday when I asked about it, you know, CC um, slavery basketball game. So uh, I think that's pretty much where I stand on everything. <laughs> Absolutely. You know? what's, what's done is done. So what do you think about those comments? Did they, did they anger you? Did they get in your head? Do they, do they feel the fire? What do you think, man? Nah, man, I really don't care, to be honest. I, I really don't. I mean, the guy said what he said. Yeah. It is what it is. It really is. Like, I don't take it no use for it. I mean, I know there's no, you know, tool to be technical in any kind of way. Um, I don't know. Shots thrown, shots fired. Yeah. Am I going to shoot back? For what? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I don't have to. Like, there's nothing I'm going to shoot at. I mean... I'm mean, going to see a target, I'm going to see it in the game. I'm not going to see it on, you know, outside the game. I haven't seen them like that anyway. So um, I'm going to do what I do, uh, play a physical style of football and 
we'll see. Mm -hmm. Once Drake issued back-to-back, -back, he was pretty much all said and done with Meek Mill. So how about week three, your first matchup against the Giants? <laughs> Do you think that matchup is going to look yeah. anything like last time you guys mixed it up? You know, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what it'll look like. I really don't. Um, I do know it's going to be a, a fun, excited football game for the fans to watch. Mm -hmm. So I know they're going to um, get their money's worth because um, we're entertainers. That's what we do. We try to provide that for them. And we're out there to get a W, man. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, when you look at the two teams, um, we're both in the NFC East, and we're both fighting for, you know, to go to the playoffs. So obviously um, he's in, their team is in our division, and we got to, you know, we got to come out fighting. We got to come out strong, and, and I think the tempo will justify itself in that game. And, and you know, we'll see what happens. But at the end of the day, you know, I know how we play ball, and that's kind of what we're going to take into this game. I like it. You let your actions do the talking, Josh. Uh, a lot of great pass catchers in the NFC East. Who do you believe is the best? And All right. So that was a little bit from his uh, conversation with the NFL Network. Uh, this was on their HQ talking about Odell Beckham Jr.'s comments, saying, uh, "Well, you know." It's is he basically called out Josh Norman talking about you know he's only relevant because of him. It's uh it's really a funny just just a funny little back and forth between the two. And uh, I, I can only I can only imagine how you know they're gonna act up on the on the field. We know the fights, we know the headbutts, we know all the different things that were going on. Could it happen again? Who knows. Like, who really knows? It's possible these guys do still continue to, like, subtweet each other over, you know, on the offseason. It's going to be a – it's going to be a battle. And I think a lot of fans are looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. Let's let it happen. It's this Sunday, 1 o'clock, Josh Norman versus Odell Beckham Jr. If Norman stays on Beckham, he might be on Cruz, might be on Sterling Shepard, who had an amazing game this past Sunday. So uh, definitely plenty to look forward to. What we got to look forward to now is a quick break. You're listening to Sports Social with Ed Easton here on Soundcast FM.
we're going to try to just make this an organic conversation. And let me be clear. We're all friends. We've worked together a long time. We like each other. We have different opinions on a number of things. And this is a hot button topic that cannot be held in diverse groups. Hasn't been held enough around the country with diverse groups. Correct. The optics, black and white folk talking together about it, no matter what your opinion is, so that we can advance things with respect to that. We don't need to have these conversations, and I was using the polite word, homogenous groups. All black folk talking, all white folk talking, all liberals talking, all conservatives. We need to hear each other. And what needs to be the operating one, and it's really me, because I know (laughs) I feel passionate about these things as well, too, that love are to undergird the conversation. I kept using the example of Martin Luther King leading the civil rights movement. He told the followers they cannot react. They need to show love. And when people of good conscience saw how inhumanely people were being treated, that's when people of all colors and stripes got together. These are very, very tough topics and very difficult situations to discuss because there are different reasons why different people get offended. People may get offended by me because they don't understand how I see the world. And I will explain that here. What I want for everybody is I want happiness. I want love. I want you to be able to take your family on vacations. I want you to be able to have the, the, of what living in the United States is all about. And that is making something for yourself and becoming great at it, which I'd like to think all four of us have been afforded that opportunity because of the way that we live our lives. I believe when I see the American flag, I live with great pride when I see that. You know, my father was a World War II veteran. My, my godfather was on the USS Nevada. You know, it was bombed by the Japanese. And both of them made it out of World War II. So I grew up in a family that was very patriotic, that understood what that flag stood for. It may be different for other people. So when I see somebody like Colin Kaepernick in an NFL uniform on an NFL field not respect that flag, I'm not saying that he doesn't respect the the military, but just not stand for that flag, that really bothers me. And I really feel like he's insulted the flag. And the initial rhetoric that was coming from Colin and wearing the pig socks on the practice field really bothered me. Because that came out after. It, well, that came and, out after, but I, I already knew a lot of that stuff. So the, the thing about it is, is that, you know, I, I don't like rogue cops any more than anybody else does. I hate corrupt politicians. I hate anybody who goes and does the wrong thing. They should be held accountable, put in jail, sued, whatever you want to call it. Boom, well, you know, I, so, but, sorry to cut you off, but what I find really interesting, and to me, I feel like I'm one of the most uh, credible people to, to speak on this topic because I grew up in Pittsburgh and that was the, the poorest county in Pennsylvania. And I also moved to Orlando, Florida, where I was the only black guy in our neighborhood, the black family in our neighborhood. So I seen both ends of the spectrum. So I, I see it both ways and I'm able to understand and validate both sides. But what I don't understand is before Colin Kaepernick knelt or sat before the flag, there was only one other white athlete that stood up and said, you know what, this is wrong. This is a human rights issue. This is a civil rights issue. But soon as the flag got involved, which is the distraction, it's not the message, everyone ran to this conversation and gave their because thoughts. That flag means a lot to a lot of people and, and a lot of families. But you talk, about this, you talk about the flag, and, and when I see the flag, I see the same thing. Like for you, you just explained what it means to you. And you're really proud of it. And I think you should be proud of it. But the flag to me represents a bunch of fights. The flag to me represents what America has overcome. When Colin Kaepernick comes out and say, these are the two things that the flags that I, I, I disagree with and we need to get right. 
I, I, I think it was the perfect timing and a perfect place to get the conversation started, to push it forward, because if it saves one life, it's worth it. Well, it, that's right, because you can't put a price on, on, on anybody's life. Here, here's what I will say about this, and, and nobody knows this better than I do, because I've taken the platform of being an NFL quarterback and being somebody that's on television and raised millions of dollars, over $100 million, in fact, in the fight against cystic fibrosis, the disease my son has. I know you have been an advocate for mental health. You've taken that platform, but we haven't done it on the field. We've done it off the field, and that's why... I, I lauded uh, Carmelo Anthony when he went down to Baltimore. Why? Because he went down there, he calmed the situation, he let the people in Baltimore know, where he grew up, by the way, that people are listening. We hear you. And just his presence, his credibility, his name led voices to what they, were, what they are uh, arguing about or, or want justice in their eyes. When I saw Carmelo Anthony, Chris Paul, and Dwayne Wade, and LeBron James standing on that stage at the ESPYs, there was four guys with all the credibility in the world to speak of what they were speaking of. Off and the I, court. Yeah, but, but still off the court, but standing in front because they built a brand. Everybody knows who they are. They have the credibility to do that. Just like Colin Kaepernick as a former Super Bowl quarterback, if he wants to get involved in a particular social issue like yeah. this, he can do that away from but see, the field. But I, but I said it because, earlier. But I said it earlier, Boom. I said we are institutionalized as players. And, I, and I'll say this to you. You are institutionalized. And the reason why is because the NFL has told us, okay, this is our culture. Players be players. You're retired now, and you're st you still have that same sentiment that players need to just football field. This is sacred territory. It's a football field. It's a jersey. The NFL, they're monetizing us. We're walking billboards for them. Well, the NFL has used the playing field. The NFL has used the playing for for breast cancer awareness over right? the last ten years. Wow. Uh, the military honoring the veterans, but a player, it can't be an individual and say, "Oh, I can't wear." My, my shoes for uh, for mental health awareness or uh, cystic fibrosis or black lives matter or white lives matter. Could you imagine with the amount of players and the amount of uh, points of view in the NFL, if everybody was allowed to go on the field and do whatever they want or act any way that they it would be want? a show. It would be it would be the, it would be a zoo. Yeah, but, but we can't have a double standard. We can't tell our players, hey, which the NFL is made up of 75 percent black people, African-Americans. We can't tell our players, hey, this is what we're going to honor. This is what we're going to do. And on the other end, when we try to do something as an individual, say, no, you stay in that box. That was a uh, that was a debate I was talking about from uh, inside the NFL, it comes on Showtime. Just, you hear the different side. You hear what Boomer says and why his concern came from. You also hear Brandon Marshall eloquently talk about his upbringing and way he looks at it in terms of being a player and being institutionalized and just having to always reform to what they say. Not having an individual mentality and you know, you, you think about that now for the first time as a as a fan, you sit back, you really look at these players, you say, you know what, they have to conform to this because at the end of the day, this is their job. We all have jobs. We all have careers. I know some people are entrepreneurs, but for those that are not, you have to follow regulations and such. And some of them, there are a gray area. And this is where that gray area sort of comes into place about his rights. And I remember when the first situation happened with Kaepernick, the NFL came out right away, said he has the right to do that. They may not like it, but he has the right, as well as all these other players have the right to do that. You look at the situation with the Miami Dolphins. I, I heard that the, my, the um, police department said that they won't escort players to the field because of that. Now, 
I've heard stories with the San Francisco police in Santa Clara that they won't do the same thing for the 49er players that won't show, you know, that are showing this uh, defiance to the flag. It's really a uh, an incredible look at where the world is. You know, we just talked about another young man being killed, you know, just like execution style on camera. And there's still so much uncertain uncertainty about everything. It's a really scary world for everyone. I, I don't think anyone's exempt. You know, we talk about like, oh, because it was white power. I've heard all of that. I don't think it's an easy, easy situation for them as well because there's criticism back and forth. I look at the um, I just look at what James Brown said from the beginning of that segment about the importance of coming together and hearing each other out. That really needs to happen. That's really what it comes out to. We're still talking amongst ourselves, but we're not talking to each other. And when I mean by each other, I'm talking about the both sides that have this difference of opinion. That really needs to happen. You know, whoever is not taking the first step has to really consider it. You know, it's it's really gotten to the point that you're hearing every week nothing but sad news. Like, every single week. Sad, alarming, upsetting news about the world. We just had this whole situation in Chelsea with the bombings as well as in New Jersey. Allegedly, the man is caught. We don't know if he worked with someone else, if he is the right person. It just shows you where the world is heading right now. And, you know, love is an important thing in terms of just understanding each other, not just doing things for the money, not just doing things just to hurt other people. Sometimes things are bigger than money, bigger than, you know, uh, being better than someone. You always That's always like a big thing for everybody. They want to prove that they're better than someone. Love is the most important thing. I think that we've all forgotten that. And... You know, it's just it's just kind of weird. It's like we just had bombings in Chelsea, and we're kind of acting like it wasn't a big deal. Thank God no one was, was killed in this situation. There were injuries, but no one was killed. But we're just going about our business. Like, it's that's it. Like, this is okay. This is supposed to happen. That's the way we're living this world right now. It's These are supposed to be regular things, uh, bombings, executions via police fighting amongst each other about a flag it's gotten to that point and it's really scary times and guess what an election's coming so that pretty much lets you know what we're heading to in November a lot of people need to head, head to the polls and make their make their choice to really understand what's going on don't vote out of fear. Vote out of knowledge of the both candidates and both of their agendas. That's the most important thing, and the best you could. The, the only thing that you could do really is make the best choice. That's that's all you can do. But uh, just don't don't vote off fear. That's that's always the number one thing. You know, and uh, I really hope people do see the Colin Kaepernick situation, and it doesn't escalate into something worse. I, I just hope it really proves a point. And that we do have some type of solution to this issue because I, I'm honestly puzzled as to what can we make a solution out of all of this. There's just too much happening right now. Too much happening in the world. But still, we go on. We want to take a break. You're listening to Sports Social with Ed Easton here on Soundcast FM.
Chocolate on the stove waiting for you. Listen, first things first. Let me hang up that coat. Yeah. How's your day today? Did you miss me? Oh, you did. Yeah, I missed you too. I missed you so much I followed you today. That's right. Now close your mouth because you cold busted. That's right. Now sit down here. Sit down here. So upset with you. don't know what to do. And my first impulse was to run up on you and do a Rambo. We're about to jam and flat blast both of you. But I ain't want to mess up this $3,700 Lynx coat. So instead, I chill. That's right. Chill. Then I went to the bank. Took out every dime. And then I went and canceled all those credit cards. Yeah. All your charge counts. Yeah. I stuck you up every piece of jewelry I ever bought you. Yeah. That's right. Everything. Everything did fly with me. Nah, don't go, don't go, don't go looking in that closet. Cause you ain't got nothing in there. Everything you came here with is packed up and waiting for you in the guest room. That's right. What was you thinking about? Huh? What are you trying to prove? Huh? This was the juice. You know, I gave you silk suits, Gucci handbags, blue diamonds. I gave you things you couldn't even pronounce. Now I can't give you nothing but advice. Cause you're still young. That's right, you're still young. I hope you learned a valuable lesson from all this. You know? You're gonna find somebody like me one of these days. Until then, you know what you gotta do? You gotta get on out of here with that Alicat coat wearing hush puppy shoe wearing crump cake I saw you with. Cause you dismissed. That's right. Silly rabbit tricks are made for kids. Did you know that? You without me like cornflake without the milk. It's my world. You just a squirrel trying to get a nut. Now get on out here. Hello and welcome everyone to another exciting edition of the NBA on 2K Sports. They've been great about, about working with me and trying to make sure that we get the kind of cadence that's necessary to make it sound like it's a real game. And, and again, the brilliance of the people that, that, that put the game together able to make that work and sound like it's this real broadcast, which is amazing to me. Chris, the front court matchup. It's pretty intriguing tonight. Oh, it's going to be a lot more contact. Pushing, shoving, battling for position. It's not a place for the faint of heart. And Durant gives you such a huge target on alley -oops. I mean, just beautiful. Oh, Harden is so good at finishing these hand ones. I mean, he is just a thorn in the D side. How's that for in your face? Draymond shrugging off the defensive pressure. And Smitty, great to have you in the booth here. A former NBA All-Star, NBA champion. It's a different dynamic. Getting a chance to um, obviously broadcast and play. Now I'm mixing both of them and getting a chance to be a voice of the game. So I'm excited. When you were a young player in the league and taking on the great legends of the 90s, were there any games where you were just in awe of who you were on the court facing? A lot, Kevin, but some names that come to mind was first Michael Jordan. Going up against the great Michael Jordan. A lot of people say they played against Michael, but he... Oh, watch your head! Beautiful chance. I love seeing Chris Paul come alive on these possessions. One of the top ball handlers in this league, Kyrie can make you look outright foolish. Paul George, I like the way he can pull up jump shots at his size. 
Then there are those other ones which run, put on the brakes, and fire away. It's, I was it's, never one of those guys. I didn't have good brakes. You didn't know you had your brakes. You did not have the disc brakes, did you? <laughs> no, not the at all. The anti-lock brakes are out. Nope, no. gone. Pad on pad. Well, these teams are having a hard time coming up with wins. Brent, can a losing streak like this get in a team's head? Oh, well, it can get in your head. It can get in your car. It can get into your <laughs> jeans. It, it's all over the place, Kevin. So, you know, one good game can turn around a month of your season, one good month can turn around your entire season. We'll see if it starts here tonight. I think the way that 2K goes about making this game, the type of consideration that they have, they get it right. Lillard from outside drills the three-pointer. Keep thinking that he can't shoot it from there and he'll prove you wrong. Lillard lost one of those high-arching bombs. Oh, he blocks it off the glass. Wow. Phenomenal defense by Anthony Davis to spike that shot back. Oh, and the putback by Whiteside. Love the effort from Whiteside there to stay after it and slam that one back off the miss. You look at the players, Doris, a little extra bounce in their step, I would say. Oh, no, quite. This is what we've all been waiting for. Quote, the friendlies are no longer. <laughs> the gloves have come off. It's time to perform. It's no different than when I'm doing the job on TV. People are fabulous. Um, they make the experience fun and engaging. Carl Anthony Towns again. This is one of the better catch-and-shoot bigs in the NBA already. Towns doing everything these days. Uh, looking like a running back. Back in the open field, Bledsoe always a threat to convert in transition. You know, that's just the power and strength from Anthony, able to take the hit and still play through it. Oh, what a play by Simmons. Can't shake Simmons. He is very used to getting hit. Just plays right through the contact. And with Ingram, he can score from anywhere. His jump shot is money, and his drives to the hoop, they're lethal. David Aldridge is on our sideline. Thank you, Kevin. Guys, Chicago is one of the league's biggest markets, but it still has that blue-collar culture. Take a listen to a recent huddle from Coach Billy Donovan. We got a chance to get a great road win right now. You're passing the ball. Great to start. Keep pushing the tempo. Get back. Set our defense. It's our energy that got us back in the game. Right now is when we talk on every screen down here. Listen, we can't miss a shot and then give up two layups. It can't happen. Hey, we had a good start. We can get right back on it. Every time we got to get back and stop the basketball. We I had to put some of that in there. That's actually the NBA 2K voices, which is very, very different in terms of the way they set it up. I don't know if anybody has NBA 2K17. The game is amazing. You're talking about different voices that you can hear. They uh, set up different interviews. You, you have that real game feel to it. I mean, you almost feel like you're watching it on TV and you're actually playing it. So I had to really show just a little bit of what NBA 2K is about. Uh, if you haven't got it, get, you got to go get it. It's definitely a, a must-have, and I'm a fan of it. I'm just putting it out there. Just uh, once again, I want to remind everybody, call me up, 516-900-2278. And I do want to talk a little bit now, like I said, about the New York Yankees. They are currently four and a half out of the wild last wild-card spot. I don't really see it being a uh, realistic option for them. I mean, who knows? You know, it, it's like for a team that realistically wasn't supposed to make it this far after trading Beltran, after forcing A-Rod to retire, you know, uh, they traded away both of their closers, Andrew Miller and uh, Aroldis Chapman. They, they, they said they basically have given up on a year. It, it, was, it was basically understood. If you're a, a Yankees fan, you understood this was a rebuilding time. 
the fact that they are even in the conversation that they had meaningful games here in September lets you know uh, I, I got to give Joe Girardi credit. I know I'm hard on him the entire year, but he made the most of the, the little bit he had. You're talking about young players, really unproven for the most part, and you know they just they, they got the job done, and that's that's really the biggest thing when it comes to this team. They all seem to rally around each other. They they make the big plays. Uh, Gary Sanchez, obviously, is the biggest, the, pretty much the, the big guy when it comes to anything with the Yankees' future. I mean, his first month was ridiculous. I don't think there's ever been an August like the one Gary Sanchez has had. I mean, it's it's really incredible. I, I don't know how else to uh, put it into words. Just some of the, the big hits, the big... Uh, you know, comebacks that everything that led up to him coming up in the first place. And I remember him starting against the Mets after the whole uh, A-Rod situation. The guy was the guy was money right away. So, you know, you just you, you got to love the Yankees future. I do want to make a quick note for the Mets. They are in that last wild card spot. They do have a couple of games they need to finish out. They have the easiest schedule going down. For the rest of the season, they um, they lost so many players injury wise. So I have to give, uh, you know, Collins and uh, the rest of the Mets crew a lot of credit. They hug in there, facing all these different injuries. Lucas Duda's back. They have, uh, uh, I believe, Lagaris came back as well. Cespedes has been playing hurt. They have such a mosh unit. They had to bring back Jose Reyes. Uh, you know, it's this is the type of team they've had. David Wright's been out all year. The fact that they are in that last spot, you, you gotta, you really have to respect what's being done with the New York Mets. But like I said, Gary Sanchez, the hottest player in baseball for most of uh, August. This was just a little bit of what he did. And uh, with that said, we're going to go to a break. You're listening to Sports Social with Ed Easton here on Southcast FM. But still, it's a lot better than it was when he left to go to Scranton Wilkesbury. There's the first base hit for Gary Sanchez. They'll get that ball, and the Yankees think big things for this kid, and that could be the first of many. So a single for Gary Sanchez. And that's go. So well. That one's ripped the left field. That ball is going to be over the head of Granderson and one hop up against the wall. Sanchez will be at second with a double. His first extra base hit. Fly ball, right center, and it's going to be over the head of Naquin and all the way to the wall. Castro rounds third. He's coming home. He'll score. It's an RBI double for Sanchez, and the Yankees lead 7-3. Line drive into left center field. It's a base hit. It's going to split the outfielders and go to the wall. Castro rounds third. He will score. It's another double for Sanchez. Another RBI. And the Yankees lead 1-0. Sanchez crushes one to left center. There it goes. See ya. His first big league home run. A bomb. And the Yankees lead 7-4. Runner goes. Strike. Throw to second. Got him. like to have the five game winning streak that one's driven deep to left field going back is Franklin track wall see ya a long home run for Sanchez a two run blast and the Rays now lead by a score of eight to three 
3-2. High drive into left center, giving chase to Siliani. Looking up, see ya! Another home run for Gary Sanchez. His third, and the Yankees lead 2-0. You've got Sanchez and Judge on deck. Yeah. Oh, driven deep to left field. There it goes! See ya! A long home run into the second deck and left. A three-run blast. His second home run of the night. And the Yankees lead 5-0. I think that was hit hard enough. That brought rain. He is the youngest Yankee to start in the cleanup spot since Jay Buhner did it. And he hits a deep fly ball to center. Turning. Looking. See ya. A home run into Monument Park. Gary Sanchez is serious about this. Five home runs, and the Yankees are on the board. You got to watch the additional number. Sanchez fires to first, and he's out. Cole Calhoun wandered too far, and Sanchez has a cannon, was able to unleash it. More. Sanchez lifts that in the air to left and deep. Wow. That ball. The dream start continues for this baby bomber as Gary Sanchez deposits his sixth home run into left. Under the pitch staff. Sanchez cranks that deep left, and Gary Sanchez has done it again. Home run number seven for the Yankee rookie catcher. Sanchez crushes that deep left center field, and that ball is gone. Gary Sanchez continues to amaze. Gary Sanchez delivers that deep to left. And Sanchez again with a bomb. This monster keeps eating. See if Tony Pena, you know, feels for your son, watches a little bit differently. That one's popped up. Whoa. And the catch is made by Sanchez. It came back on him. He stayed with it and made the catch. We're talking about him. High drive, left field, came back, trap, wall. Oh no, he did it again. A two run home run for the magical rookie. His 10th of the year. Two. Driven out to right center. That ball is. Runner goes. Throw to second. He is out. What a tag by Didi. And Bourbon can't believe it.
here at this time with the end of summer and before we get to camp, a good time to just step back and maybe talk about two teams that have been getting a lot of press lately. Two teams that are very intriguing, both East and West. We're talking about the Knicks and the Minnesota Timberwolves. Let's start with the Knicks. 32 and 50 last season. We saw Melo get his third gold medal, one of the all-time Olympians. But a ring? Um, good starting point might be the acquisition of D. Rose at the point. Yeah, it is. And I mean, when you start to talk about a guy like Derrick Rose, you always want to go back to that MVP season. Will he ever regain that form? I'm not sure, Vince, but I thought at the end of the year last year and pr pretty much throughout the year of Chicago, he looked pretty good. I think Derrick Rose can be an all-star again. And obviously in New York, you want to have a storyline any kind of storyline because they are the Knicks and you hopefully they can come out with the addition of Noah with Derrick Rose and then obviously Porzingis is a guy that if he can continue to have his maturity level go up and also his play reach what we think he can it's an interesting team but I still go back to is Porzingis a four is Melo a four now <laughs> is there a three and then how much does Joakim Noah have left at that center spot it's gonna be interesting to see all right let's talk about Joakim Noah who Signs for four years, Smitty, and $72 million coming off really one of his worst seasons uh, in the NBA. And this is with jettisoning, jettisoning uh, Robin Lopez mm -hmm. out of town. So what, is, what can Noah do here? I think it's all health for Joe King. Because if his health is right, you've got to love to have him as a teammate, the guy who has your back. He comes out and plays at a high level and you start to look at those numbers last year as you can see not impressive and you hopefully it was just injuries and you hopefully he's ready because one of those players that you know everything he's about is team and winning it's not about him but I think he just hasn't been healthy the last two or three years all right so that's New York and like you said it's always good to have New York good because that's good for the league so they say all right, so that's uh, Vince Cellini and Steve Smith. They were talking about on NBA Game Time, the New York Knicks and their thoughts heading into the season. Now, as a Knicks fan, I, I do take this a little more to heart for the simple fact that there's so many different variables hanging over the Knicks' head, one of which has to be the, uh, the situation regarding Derrick Rose. Not only his health, but his legal situation. We all know that I believe about two years ago he was accused of, of rape and uh, there's still some murky issues regarding that. If, you know, what he, what he was saying, does it really add up with what, obviously, the, uh, the, the prosecution is saying? We don't know if there's going to be a trial. There's still so much in the air that I, 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 I feel like this. I don't, I don't understand. The NBA probably fully doesn't understand, and I know the Knicks don't understand what the severity of it could be and how it could affect this year or even the rest of Derrick Rose's career. We don't know. But, uh, like I said, that accusation is out there. They are looking into it. But if you look at the basketball standpoint, if you get Derrick Rose for, I say, 70 games and he's efficient, then the Knicks are going to be a pretty good team. You're talking about him and Carmelo Anthony who could still score. You saw the, how impressive he looked during at times during the uh, Olympic run. This guy wants a ring bad. You bring in – you have Porzingis who – is a budding superstar in this league, uh, just a matchup nightmare. Uh, you have him. You got Noah, who's Rose's guy, and uh, him and Melo know each other very well. He's a hustle guy. He's gonna play hard. He's gonna give you that extra, that extra possession that you're gonna need. Offensive rebounding, defensive rebounding, passing. He does all the intangibles that are always needed for a championship team. So, let's see if Joakim Noah is gonna fit in well with this Knicks squad. Uh, Courtney Lee. 
another a solid two guard, a guy that could play defense, could be a three and D guy. He's uh, going to be really important as well as Brandon Jennings off the bench. Now, just looking at this team, I can honestly see them winning about 48, 47 games. I'm going to put it out there. Maybe just like that 50 mark I think could be a lot, but definitely I think they can win more than half their games. So it's going to be uh, interesting to see if they can stay healthy. That's the main objective. Now, another team that I'm looking at, and I have my, you know, my back and forth with, and that's the Golden State Warriors. Obviously, picking up Kevin Durant, having the Splash Brothers still. It looks great on paper. They're amazing in NBA 2K, just for the record. But will it mesh on the court in the real-life game? To who takes a back seat with their numbers? Is it going to be Clay? Is it going to be Steph? Is it going to be Draymond? Like, who handles the ball? Because a guy like Kevin Durant likes to have the ball in his hands as well. There's a lot of basketballs going around, and you have to almost imagine, like, a guy like Andre Iguodala is going to, you know, take less shots. Uh, I can't see Curry taking less shots. and It's going to have to be Thompson. I feel like Greenwood's going to get a lot of those uh, makeup points. He probably won't have any plays run for him the same way. But when you got a guy like Kevin Durant who's as explosive and just – basically impossible to guard for many people how you got to use you got to utilize him to the fullest of his ability he guys a former mvp still well into the prime of his career i just cannot see the uh the golden state warriors not winning less they're gonna win 70 games i i, I really believe that i really believe they're gonna win 70 games it's just who besides the spurs and even them without duncan adding pal gasol I don't know if it's an upgrade or a downgrade because what Duncan may have lacked in this last year in mobility, he had the intelligence and the patience to work with every player. Pau Gasol, I think, is a very patient player, but can he work in that system, not having the ball featured to him a lot? Um, it's it's going to be interesting to see how Memphis works out, you know, having giving all that money to Mike Conley. Does Conley have to step his game up more because he is the highest paid player in the NBA. These are the things that are going to be really, you know, looking forward to when you talk about the parity in the East, in the um, West, I'm saying. In the East, it's going to be Cleveland. Cleveland's going to be there. Everybody else underneath them, is, is it going to be New York? Uh, Miami, what's the deal with Chris Bosh? There's still a whole lot of uh, question marks going in regarding Chris Bosh and his health. He says he's good to go. Will the Miami Heat clear him to be able to go? Then you look at the Chicago Bulls. You got Dwayne Wade. You have Rajon Rondo. You got Jimmy Butler. Who's going to make a three-point shot on the Bulls? That's the number one question I have. They they have no sh- no pure shooters on that team. It looks like it should be fun. I think they'll um, there'll be a lot of uh, Euro steps and you know I don't know, man. It's going to be a very odd team to look at just because these are not shooters out there. But uh, the Chicago Bulls will still be, in my opinion, a contender. Uh, you got the Boston Celtics adding Al Horford. Huge. That is huge for them. I think Boston takes it to that next level if everyone stays healthy. I, I really like the Boston Celtics. Uh, the Atlanta Hawks, I think they stay where they are. I mean, Dwight Howard is going to play better with Atlanta because he's playing at home. I think he's a guy that needs to be in a smaller market at all times. That's the bottom line. He's just not a big market guy. He wants the personality to be in a big market, but he doesn't handle the media pressure the same way as Shaquille O'Neal or Kobe Bryant or those types of elite players you can handle them. I think uh, being in a small market, playing in Atlanta, which is, let's be honest, the Atlanta crowds don't often sell out as they should. I think that he, being an Atlanta guy, 
is going to love it there. I think he'll flourish. I think he's going to have a huge bounce back year where uh, it's not going to be the world is not going to be expected of him. They're expecting him just to play well. That's it. So uh, I'm really going to be all in if you're a Atlanta Hawks fan and a uh, Dwight Howard fan. I think he really bounces back and plays well, and the Hawks are back in the playoffs. Milwaukee just gave a $100 million extension to uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, the uh, Greek freak. The guy was their point guard at the end of last year and will most likely start this year at their point, as their point guard at 6'10", 6'11", very versatile, can do a lot of different things, hence to why he's called the Greek freak. I think he's going to be an all-star this year. Jason Kidd has been probably beating into his head that you're the point guard, trying to play him off like a Magic Johnson type. I'm really curious to see how this will go moving forward and how teams will match up with a guy like, um, like Giannis at the point guard position. The Philadelphia 76ers are going to be a lot better this year. You talk about Ben Simmons, who is just, I think, a star. <laughs> He's a star. Watching that guy, and granted it was Summer League, and you're not playing against the top talent. He was a man amongst boys. I think it won't be that different in the NBA with guys trying to guard mass position. He's going to play a lot of small forward. I think he's going to be huge for that Philadelphia 76ers team and their rebuilding process. I'm really interested to see what Joel Embiid's about. We've been waiting so long to see Joel Embiid and what he brings to the table. The guy's been a tweeter, a tweeting master. You know, he's a Twitter. Uh, he called himself a Twitter thug. He's very funny, very charismatic. Now, can he play? We haven't seen him in two years. Can he play? We haven't seen him since Kansas. It's been that long, guys. So... We'll see what's going on there. Let's see which center they do keep. Do they keep Okafor? Do they keep Norlin's Noel? That's going to be another big question towards the trade deadline. Who stays a 76er? Who moves on? I think Okafor is on his way out, but that's just my opinion. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets rebuilding. Jeremy Lin, that's really all they are. They're rebuilding right now, so don't even expect much from them. I think Indiana's going to be a little bit better. Um, there's going to be some teams in there that are going to be competing for those spots. Detroit's going to be a good team. I can see them higher than an AFC this year. Uh, Toronto's going to be there. They just continue to really just load up the right way. And I, I really like how the East has gotten a lot stronger. I'm not going to say they're better than the West, but they are really almost today equal because the West has been good for a long time. But seeing the way the Eastern Conference and the uh, the, the transitioning of talent, I think Oklahoma City's still going to make the playoffs as an eighth seed with Russell Westbrook. I, lo- I like Billy Donovan as a coach. I think he's a really good coach. Uh, I, I look at... The uh, matchups they're going to be throwing at different teams, I can see them really just playing fast, everything fast, fast, fast. Play with Oladipo, just making things work. So I'm really a fan of what Oklahoma City can be. Uh, I think Russell Westbrook has a MVP-type season. That's just how he's going to be playing. Portland is the dark horse. They're going to be better than they were last year. They were pretty darn good last year. LA Clippers, this is a make-or-break year for them. I just got to see what Blake Griffin has left. He knows he made a lot of bad decisions towards the end of the year. Uh, how much more of Chris Paul do you have at an elite level? I mean, Chris Paul's starting to get up there in age as well. We can, we tend to forget that. These are the different storylines heading into it. The Lakers rebuilding. Don't worry about them. Uh, Minnesota is going to be my other team that's very fun. I hope they slip into that eighth spot. They're going to be battling with Oklahoma City for that spot. But I really like the Minnesota Timberwolves. Utah is another team that is a make or break for them. Are they a contender? Are they pretenders? Is Hayward worth worth it at the end of the day? Is he worth it? We're just still trying to figure that out when it comes to the Utah Jazz. Houston Rockets, James Harden is your team, but I don't think you have much of a team. I'm not really high on the Rockets. I don't think they make the playoffs this year. Dallas Mavericks, 
Harrison Barnes is your biggest signing. I don't know about that. Dirk Nowitzki's in the twilight of his career. I don't think they have much they can do. They're not a playoff team, in my opinion. Uh, the Phoenix Suns still rebuilding, not a playoff team. It's it's really a, a, a going to be a, a toss up. I think Memphis does get in just because they're going to have healthy players again. This is their last run for uh, Gasol and for Randolph. I think this is this is it for them. Vince Carter is also this is it for him. And just I think and when I say Vince Carter, this is it. For him. I think this is it for his career. Like you know, this is it. The fact that he's still been very solid and a guy uh, you talk about twenty years almost in the league. It's uh, ridiculous, and you got to shout out Kevin Garnett, 21 years, my goodness. Kevin Garnett's still doing it, the big ticket. May not be as big as he used to talent-wise, but the guy is still a mentor to a young Carl Anthony Towns who is a beast right now, and having him and Andrew Wiggins, oh, man, that's a fun Minnesota Timberwolves team. Please, people, pay attention to Minnesota. They will be a lot of fun. And uh, that's really all I can, uh, I can really say. With just my early predictions for the NBA, I'm going to have more people involved with it. We're going to do some club checkouts and talk to different insiders from all the NBA clubs in upcoming shows. I want to thank everybody for uh, listening today. Once again, make sure to check out sportssocialpod.com for more information on the, on the different episodes as well as upcoming shows. You've been listening to Sports Social with Ed Easton here on Soundcast FM.
Again, house pay. Picked up a girl, been trying to hope since the 12th grade. It's ironic. I had the boo, she had the thing, and I hope the Lakers beat the super sign. I felt on the big fat fanny. Pulled out the jammy. English the poop nanny. And my runs deep, so deep, so deep. Put her out of sleep. Woke her up around one. She didn't hesitate to call Ice Cube the top gun. Drove her to the pad, and I'm coasting. Took another sip of the potion. Hit the three wheel motion. I was glad everything had worked out. I didn't even have to use my head. I gotta say it was a good 